0: Welcome to Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks, presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com. Drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Baum, and coming up on this week's episode, Patrick Sharp joins the show, we walk through the... Chicago Blackhawks current three-game losing streak and what the team can do to turn things around as well as what impact the mother's trip can have as every player brings their mom on this current two-game road trip to Boston and New Jersey. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive.
1: Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all new Chevy Blazer's got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all wheel drive to sport to tow and haul. This ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi Fi, keeping you connected 24 7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going. Welcome into Blackhawks
0: Insider. Carter Baum joined by Chris Cook, Adam Burrish, and for some reason Patrick Sharp has agreed to come back and join us. Uh, That's not exactly the most warm welcome I'm just honestly surprised. We're happy to have you as always, okay. but, uh, you know...
2: We think you'd have better stuff to do than hang out yeah. with us. Well, what that's what I thought, too, but... It's <laughs> Retirement? More, yeah. The wife kicking me out of the house. I can't sit around all day long. She's so.
0: like, remember that one day when you are gone for like a couple hours in the middle of the day,
1: She's a so much weeks happier ago? when
2: I'm out of the house, so well, I gotta come hang with you guys. We're I, happy
1: to I have you. I actually think it's maybe insulting to me that I bring no good insight. We <laughs> gotta bring Patrick Sharp in here to cover me up.
0: <laughs> I thought it was you got tired of Cook and I, the writers, oh, okay. coming at you and asking you questions that you wanted some help or you wanted... Wanted someone else to take some of the the brunt off your shoulders, yeah, maybe a little bit. Too. But I mean, you've been carrying the show for a while. Sure. You know, we'll give Sharpie a chance, and All maybe right. maybe one day he'll replace you. You never know. Ooh. No, All I'm right. just kidding. We're glad to have you, Patrick. And uh, you know, it's an interesting time for the Blackhawks. Since last week we had Stan Bowman on the show, things seem to be going well. They had taken a shootout loss to the Stars. They came out and beat the Stars later that night. Uh, Things were were going well, and since then, it's three losses, three games that, uh, you know, Brent Seabrook flat out said it the other night, were terrible. Uh, The team getting not only losing games, but losing in resounding fashion, going down big, down by two goals after the first period in three consecutive games. What, Sharpie, I'll start with you, what are you seeing out there that is almost a the sudden change in this team. It seems like, you know, we started the season, it was kind of ups and downs and then things were going well for a while and now we're kind of back in a, a not so good stretch. I mean, what, what has changed?
2: Uh, not much has changed. I think this is what you see uh, with teams that are in a position that the Blackhawks are currently in. When I look at the landscape of the NHL, 31 teams, you look, there's probably that top tier, we all know who they are, Boston Bruins being one of them, who the Hawks are facing shortly. Now there's those teams that are dialed in and they're going for championships. And there's about, I would say 20 other teams that are middle of the pack and on the bubble fighting for a playoff spot. And that's probably where the Hawks are in. When you're one of those teams, there's going to be some some losses, some ugly losses, and there's going to be some wins where you can get excited and say, okay, this is, this is a young potential in this group. There's that player that we drafted a while ago that's starting to show signs of life. It's all part of the learning curve in my experience. Um, People always want to go back to those Stanley Cup teams that were so good in regular season and playoffs, but you got to remember that Kane and Taves came into the league in 2007 and we didn't win a championship until 2010. So in between, there was plenty of ugly losses, tough stretches, learning curves, learning moments, and maybe that's what the Hawks are going through now. But I'm with Sieb. Some of these losses have been tough to watch, tough to take. I don't have any answers how to fix it, but you can watch the game tonight and maybe – The Hawks show you something, and now we're talking about how good they are, and they're fighting for the playoffs. So I think that's just what you get with young players.
0: And it's tough because you're playing so many games against divisional opponents. It's not only that you're losing. It's that you're losing important games against teams that, if you want to make a fight for the playoffs, these are the teams who you're fighting against, and uh, you're dropping
2: points in in late November, and that's got to be tough. And injuries have have started to play a role as well, and every team can be – Affected with injuries in their own way, the Hawks had some key players out this past week, and it clearly uh, affected the scoreboard.
1: Shaw's out. Uh, you could. Robin Leonard was out, but Crawford's fine, so don't worry about. Don't worry about that one. Duncan Keith's out. Yeah, that's Your top big one. Right? You're that's already a
2: little one. light. Difficult defending in your own zone and now you got Duncan Keith on the sidelines that's gonna we saw what it did when Connor Murphy was out for a while too there were some ugly losses there so
1: Kajula's been out he's an energy kind of guy that that's you know has been injured um who else we missing Um, Ole Mata's mispracticed you
0: know with the flu um, just, it's, it almost seems like it's just one little thing after another Yeah. You got and four it's a, it's just a stretch. Yeah. It's a You're stretch that they're going team. to. And the team, you know, Cook, we talked about it, uh, on the website a few, but the other night played with 17 players because right. Robin Leonard was, uh, he had said he had food poisoning, wasn't feeling good, wasn't good to go. The team had to obviously get a backup goalie in and you don't have enough cap space with so many of these guys not injured enough to go on ir or long-term ir where you can get cap relief but just unable to play i think there was 12 percent of the salary cap was guys who were just unable to play for a couple games with keith and leonard and, and Strom, Strom, right. Strom Stone, uh yeah. show, you know show. shaw uh, it all kind of adds up and sometimes it's just it's a stretch you almost have to just kind of buckle down and get through
3: none of the players, are, and certainly Jeremy Collin, aren't blaming injuries because, look, the Blues were out, Tarasenko and mm-hmm. Sundquist and all those other guys, and Steen. So it's more the, I think, the, the fact that what happened the other night was the energy level was yeah. low, right? Yeah. That's not because that's not you're injured, right? That's not anything, and, and Jeremy Collin said, that's on the coaches to get us going. I think that was the most disconcerting thing is that the energy level was low, and they never really matched where they needed to be. How concerning is that?
1: Uh, for me, as the guy that was a bottom six Kind of player like that. You were a good energy, guy. yeah, energy guy. That, you uh, brought that. It was in, that's that's it, those guys are the ones that uh, that should be insulted by that and should take that. Uh, it's a knock on them. It's not a knock on your stars. And people would like to say, well, why aren't they producing more? Well, they are first of all. But when you see that, to me, because I was one of those guys, those are the guys that need to uh, need to take a look in the mirror and pick this thing uh, up or put their pants on and go to work and say, I gotta I gotta be better here. And it's those bottom six and. Uh, a lot of times they don't show up on the scoreboard, and I don't mean to be cliche, sound cliche with that, but, man, I've been saying that kind of this whole year. When they brought Shaw back, I knew it was going to be great because he was going to make those bottom six guys better, and he has. All of a sudden, he's out of the lineup now, and the coach says, well, I just, I just didn't like our energy. There was no energy there. That's bottom six, guys. Those are the guys that, that this should be pointed at. And I got no problem pointing at those guys because I was that guy. And it's not hard to control your your attitude and your energy level. Have a couple extra energy drinks. Have a, the coffee's free down there. We'd always say <laughs> <laughs> it's like a couple coffees. And you may not score, but you can. You know, Kane talks about all the time. I love when Shaw's out there because he's fighting. He's in guys' faces. That pumps him up. I haven't seen that a lot from these bottom six guys. And that's where I think if you could if if you could bring one thing. To this team, it's it's that energy should be there every night. That comes from those guys. I'd like to see a little more from those guys.
0: And you have Alex DeBrinket who got in a fight in in Colorado. Yep, right. You know, kind of defending himself, but a similar situation. He said, you know, yeah, I was sticking up for myself, but where are the other guys, you know, yep, you know, we have to get some energy. We have to get something going here, yep. and that's the second game of a back to back against Colorado, where neither game is going well at that point. And you just sometimes I didn't you... want
1: Sharp to have to do that because now I don't have a job, right? Mm-hmm. That's what I need to do. He's got to go score the goals. Dabrinkit's got to go score 40 a year. i got to go out there and provide energy and give Sharp some energy and give Sharp some space to play. And If Sharp's got to go and fight for himself or Dabrinkit does, what, what am I here for? Having said that, we're both going to tip our cap to Alex Dabrinkit. Heck yeah. That's a 40-goal
2: scorer, young kid in the league, undersized, dropping his gloves yep. finally against somebody in his own weight yeah. class. And yeah. landing haymakers. And he yeah. did yeah. very well. Yeah. Go back a year ago when Dunks gets – hit pretty good by Irwin of Nashville. Who's the first guy to come beeline it across the ice? Alex Dabrinkit. Mm-hmm. Forget about his fighting style and his his size, whatever you want to call it. I love the competitive yeah. spirit. That shows me he's a guy that wants to win. He's frustrated. He's not happy with the way things are going. You get more guys maybe not necessarily fighting, but with that same competitive spirit, you're going to be on the right track. Yep.
0: As a coach, what what can you do during a stretch like this? Because you need some of those go- those guys going, but at the same time, it's you know it's November, it's December. You don't want to completely change things because things were going well. How, how frustrating do you think that has to be to kind of just maybe not be able to place your finger on exactly what's going on? It's maybe one thing one night, another thing another night. Uh, it's got to be
2: frustrating. Yeah, it's got to be fun would be my uh, advice and take it from me. I, I was living and dying with not scoring or, or scoring. Mm-hmm. My moods were always affected the following day based on that, but forget about wins and losses, forget about the standings. You gotta be excited to come to the rink. I had a tough team my final two years of hockey, one year in Dallas, one year in Chicago. We knew we had uh, the cards stacked against us some nights with the lineups and the teams we were playing against, but what makes it worse is when you look around the room and guys are hanging their heads and they're not having fun. I'm not sure if that's the case here in Chicago, but as a coach, they gotta make that locker room that united center feeling it's got to be a good feeling to come to the rink wins or losses you got a young team you're trying to develop some players the last thing you want to do is guys second guessing themselves each other you got to try to keep it as light as you can in my personal opinion
1: yeah well to me again no that's that's the responsibility of your leaders of your older guys to kind of empower guys or make guys feel like hey it's okay to laugh in here it's okay to have some fun it's okay to pull some pranks and some jokes and then it's the responsibility of your of your bottom four or five forwards to take that message from your leaders and then to kind of deliver it and say all right these guys told me like we need to have some fun in here i've got to do that now those guys got to go worry about scoring they've got different pressures than i have as a bottom line guy i don't need to worry about scoring every night i don't know what that pressure's like but i know what the pressure's like of having to go out there and compete and battle and block shots and and give some energy and they need to take those cues, those guys, and, and make that a fun dressing room, and make practice fun and competitive and intense, and then bring that into a game um, that gets the fans excited. I and mean, I, I think back to when Sharp was a bottom six guy, my first couple years here in Chicago. You probably don't remember that Sharpie, I do. <laughs> um, but he was go- he would go out there and f- you had some fights. You'd go out there and fight some guys, and you would bring that energy. And I know you wanted to score, but that's where you that's at that time in 2007. That, that's where you were and you did it and and i think that's what and we had fun doing that and we were getting spanked some nights and we had some bad teams 2007 2008 but um that's when the building started getting alive again and and we had fun in practice and we had fun in the locker and we had fun in the game the games we were losing we still were competitive we were still banging bodies out there and scoring goals and smiling and, and laughing and talking about who's going to have the best celebration after a goal tonight um so i think it's kind of you know who do you want to in the coach can you know allow that stuff to happen he can encourage that stuff to happen but i think ultimately it's got to your leadership have to provide that that openness which i i think this group does and then those bottom guys they got to kind of recognize that and now bring some life into practice and into games
3: i think i think the problem here is that because of you guys and and others obviously the expectations are so high for this team that fans can't really deal with and i think some of the players can't either i mean you Talked to Brent Seabrook the other night. and talked, As Carter said, he said awful losses. He's clearly frustrated. Mm-hmm. And the frustrating thing is because, hey, listen, if we said this team is bad, they're rebuilding, but they showed flashes they can play with anybody. Yeah. And that's the frustrating thing, right? Why can't you play at that level every single night? I know you can't, but you have, at some point you have to you know, go into the reserves and pull back what you had there. Rely on your stars. I mean, Patrick Kane's been going great, but Taves has got to get going. I think Saad's been very good, but he can't find the back of the net. Dabrinkit can't score. Those are the guys who have to have a big game here and show that, yeah, we can play with these guys. Maybe not Boston coming up because they're, they're very good, but you got to roll New Jersey, right? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, well, I, and I like, this, I like the emotion from Seabrook. Yeah. I, I like hearing that.
3: I it was like good it's... that he was in the room. Didn't mean interrupt, but it was good that he was in the room after that loss and ready to talk saying, hey, yeah. we were awful. Well, to yep. stand up and take ownership yep. of it and to be that leader, be the guy who wears
0: the
1: A on his chest. Right. Yep, and this could be, well, you know, oh, oh whatever. You know, yeah, it was a bad you – yeah know, I wasn't – he didn't – I liked that from him. Like, that was terrible. You know, that's not us. That's not where we're going to be. Um, and I think that's great. I, I, that's why I think Zebra. we've talked about him on here before, why he's so valuable is because even good or bad, he goes and stands in there, takes it, and not good enough and, and pissed off about it. I like that.
2: I remember when we had some tough times, different seasons, different coaches, and you come to the rink after a loss or you're in the middle of a bad stretch, and all of a sudden you're expecting a certain type of practice. And then maybe uh, we have like, all right, everybody switch sticks with the opposite yeah. hand guy. We're going to have a little scrimmage today. Or maybe it's an optional skate. Do something out of the ordinary to kind of lighten the load a little bit. Take the pressure off some of these guys. It's a young Blackhawks team we got here. And there's going to be good. There's going to be bad. But if you got players out there squeezing the stick, feeling pressure, feeling like this losing streak is because of them, that's no good for anybody. Yeah. Just just kind of loosen the vibe around the rink and uh, try to get everybody with those good feelings.
3: That's going to happen. I think we saw it in today's practice recording this on Wednesday guys are doing push-ups I don't know what the drill was but guys are doing push-ups and then Carter you talked about earlier the moms are coming along on this road trip that's got to be a different feeling right yep. suddenly if you're in this rut there's no longer a rut because now you've got your mom watching us what's that experience like
1: I never did a mom's trip I did a uh, we did a father I did father's trips and that, those were cool um I always thought my mom always complained too that why don't we do a mom's trip and that was before teams really doing them I think and now the Hawks have started doing them, which is cool, but I never got to do one of those. The only father's trip, the the, I got a lot of memories about it. I know, Sharp, you and I and our dads played golf the one day, but the biggest thing my dad still talks about it is he could not believe how much food is on the road yeah. with the guys. That was his biggest takeaway. It was like, do you guys ever stop eating? Yeah, there's breakfast. Then you get on the plane and fly to the city. There's, there's appetizers on the plane. Then there's a meal that gets served. Then you land, and an hour later, you're going for dinner. And then after dinner, you go back and... Some guy's having a snack in a hotel room. Then you wake up and there's breakfast. Then you go to the game. Then you eat. And then there's a snack. And then there's dinner. On. I mean, it was just nonstop food. Yeah. So that was—I remember—that was my my dad's biggest takeaway was you guys eat a lot. Oh, they were awesome. Yeah,
2: they were great. I I'm really lucky that I, I think I did two or three with my mom here in Chicago. They had always always alternate back and forth with the fathers and the vibe around the parents was so much different when the moms were there. Yeah, you could tell that a lot of us grew up. Our dads were the hockey players. Our dads were the ones advising us on how to play, taking us to the rink. And then whenever the moms were around, everybody was just relaxed, having fun, laughing, joking, smiling. So maybe this is a good timing for the Blackhawks to get on their mom's trip. It's a shame that Mrs. Burrish didn't get to go on one of those (laughs) trips because she would have had a blast. I know my mom did. They did some cool uh, different events and uh, some arts and crafts stuff, some shopping. They always have events lined up for the moms that really have nothing to do with hockey. Yeah. And I think the players appreciate that. It kind of gives you a break in the middle of the season and you can appreciate your parents for all that they've done for you.
1: What about the nighttime? What was that like? Moms get after it a little bit, too.
2: But the dads always seem to get around and uh sit around and kind of kick ideas about hockey, you know, kind of how the players did. What do you think about this line combination? Or um, they like to brag a lot about their kids. I've heard so many stories from different fathers about how their kid was the MVP of the tournament (laughs) when they were 13 years old. Mm -hmm. The moms just want to have fun. I remember seeing my mom come on the plane. Where were we? It was Tampa and Florida road trip, I believe it was. And my mom and Mrs. Keith came on the plane after a game and they were a little loose let's put it that way yeah, and I had some good. fun watching the game and uh, those are moments that I'll always remember because for me growing up my brother played hockey and, and I did two years apart um, my dad would often take my oldest brother to all the tournaments and games because he was playing the, the yeah. big league level hockey quicker than I was and I'd be with my mom on different road trips and I just remember having so much fun uh, just hanging with my mom, no pressure to to play the game and score goals and do all that, just enjoy us ourselves and kind of neat to see them along in the NHL road trip. They had a great time every time they
0: did it. How special is it to have someone who obviously played such a key role in you getting into the sport and driving you to rinks and going to those games every weekend, every weeknight when you have a practice, to be able to share that experience of kind of where you would be at now in the NHL and just give them a glimpse of what it is and you know basically say thank you.
2: Yeah, it is a, it's a huge thank you and the players I know are real thankful to the organization for for doing this cuz not every team does a father's trip. I know certainly they don't do the mom's trip for whatever reason, but the Blackhawks were one of the first to start bringing the moms along. You know, it's great. They the parents of all these players have played such a huge role financially, emotionally, you name it. Um, These players aren't in the National Hockey League without a good support system, whoever that may be. And uh, to kind of have that weekend to show them what life is like for an NHL player was special. Burr's right, the food was always a topic of conversation. I can remember my parents being real tired after a road trip. (laughs) Man, you guys travel a lot, and there's some late nights and some weird time zones, so it's kind of cool. It's not just putting the jersey on and playing from 7 p.m. until 10. There's a whole lot more that goes into it. And to share those weekends with our parents is pretty sweet. Can
3: it be motivational as well? I mean, oh, yeah. you, every time it's always like a when a guy scores and they cut to the box and there's the dad, yeah, the, cool. proud, the proud mom, you know. With the jerseys hugs. on. Yeah, the jerseys are on. Can you, do you want to play? Obviously you want to play well, but do you want to play better and be that guy yeah. who's I, scoring for the mom?
2: I would like to see the record of teams across the league during these father's trips and mother's trips because I feel like it puts a little extra jump in the player's step. You know, brings those guys back to when they were 13 years old, and they looked up in the stands, and their parents were there, and they wanted to perform for mom and dad. So yeah, those feelings are still there. I know I always played better when my parents were in the building. We've talked about Patrick Kane doing that with um, with his family always being around. I think every player can say share a similar story. So you know, with the moms coming on the the Hawks road trip, let's hope it, it kickstarts uh, a nice little winning streak.
1: And I know people. A lot of people would always ask like do you guys when you're playing do you see what's going on like can you see people do you hear like what, you know can you see somebody you can see people mm-hmm. you can see their eyeballs from the bench and I'm sure the same sharp when your parents are at a game you know right where they're sitting mm-hmm. and you look and you can see them and um, you can see when they're having a conversation so yeah I mean, the players you know exactly where your parents or your family or your wife or your sisters or brothers are sitting and it's kind of cool to sit there and you look up into the crowd and you can and you can see them so when you people listening are wondering if, if we can see you out there, yeah, you can, they can see your eyeballs sitting from the can bench. Did you hear what him th- yelling at you as well? Oh yeah, I could yeah. hear it. That was yeah. usually yelling at me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. You suck.
2: One, one thing I remember about my parents on both those trips was, um, uh, they, they were asked to give interviews. First started with my oh, dad. Yeah. He did a couple of mm-hmm. interviews with Eddie and Pat during the broadcast. And then I think he did a pretty good job. So they asked my mom to, to do tell some stories of, of me for Blackhawks TV and, it's like, man, the apple doesn't far, fall far from the tree. They enjoyed the camera yeah. time. I think Ian they enjoyed it. the yeah. FaceTime. I know my dad for sure thought he was going to be a broadcaster, so <laughs> I'm trying to carry the torch for those guys.
0: Who would you want to hear from out of this current group? Whose parents would you be curious to uh, get to know a little more and maybe ask how the, this
2: person turned out this way? Hmm, that's a good question. Uh, I'm trying to think of old teammates that I had that had Verstieg's father it was always interesting yeah, he was on those trips. He was probably right? the most fun of the
1: trips, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> he, uh,
2: he had a good time. Um,
1: I don't know how about Dunk's dad?
2: Yeah, Dunk's dad is always uh, very thoughtful, just like Duncan, chooses his words carefully and has strong opinions about some things. Dunk's grandpa was on one of the trips, oh, yeah? I think he was 80 something years old. and. Uh, it was hilarious. He was just at the point in his life where what he would say whatever he wanted to say to whoever <laughs> no wanted filter. to hear it. And uh, poor Cristobal Huey was our goaltender back then, and he was going through a rough stretch of games, letting a bunch of goals. And on the father's trip one game, we lost to then Phoenix, Ari- Phoenix Coyotes, now they're Arizona. And after the game, we're at the buffet line getting our meals, and Joel was there, and Dunks' grandpa was there. And I think he started spouting up saying, you know, you got a nice team, Joel. You just got to get somebody to stop the puck for you. <laughs> <laughs> like, if that was my mom or dad saying, talking to the head coach of the hockey team, I'd put a muzzle on him, but it was it was hilarious to see Dunks' his grandpa just say whatever he thinks.
1: That's one guy, <clears throat> sorry, off topic again, but um, for when we have our reunion this year, Cristobal Huey, hey, yeah. I hope he comes back. I, I would love to see that guy. So Cristobal, if you're listening... Get your butt here for that 2010 yeah. reunion. He's one guy that I think about a lot here and there and wonder what he's doing and he's what he's Paris. up to. He's in Paris. i talked to him a couple, in a couple times. Yeah, stories I hope he and, comes back.
3: Yeah, so he's in that area, and I've talked to him a few times, and he likes his life. He, he's played up until last year, I think. No he way. He's just yeah. packed in. How
2: would he not like that life? Living in Switzerland, oh, yeah. skiing, and playing hockey in a nice competitive league, yeah, makes some money. Cool. Life is good. He had a beautiful family, too. So yeah. I hope he gets back, and uh, he was a good
1: teammate. We had a good Super Bowl party at his house the one year I remember it was a nice one he had a great house
0: (laughs) well it's a two-game trip for the Blackhawks the mom's trip they start on Thursday night in Boston uh, a very difficult game Chris as you mentioned earlier Boston one of the best teams in the league right now they're firing on all cylinders they're unbeaten at home Mm -hmm. this entire season and then you head to New Jersey the next night a team that has had its own struggles, recently fired their head coach, and a team that's probably looking to make a statement right now. So it's not an easy road trip. Um, how do you approach these games? I mean, it's it's tough, but you have the benefit of the
2: moms being there and that that extra boost. It's, it's gonna be an interesting pair of games. Sometimes that's exactly what you need when you're in a, a rough spot as a team, as an individual. You look at the schedule and say, oh man, we got arguably the toughest team in the league. On the schedule, we're going to their building. Let's just pencil in a loss. Sometimes that brings out the best in players. The pressure can be off. They know, the Blackhawks know, that they got to raise their level in Boston or it can get ugly in a hurry. So I wouldn't be surprised to see the Blackhawks put forth a great effort. We saw it earlier this season. Uh, Connor McDavid comes into town, and we're talking very similar about the Hawks' Is yeah. The Davis, Oilers hadn't lost. Now. And Oilers look great. McDavid, dry saddle. And the Hawks, I don't want to say... They knew the urgency that they had to play with or else it could have got ugly in a hurry, and I think they played a great game. Vegas, I think, was shortly after that. The Washington Capitals was another team where the the Hawks played well. So, yeah, I don't like the matchup, Hawks versus Boston, but you'd be surprised. Sometimes the underdog uh, fights to the death in those ones, and I'd like to see a good
1: performance out of our guys. And that building, uh, it it seems to bring out, like, intensity, right? Every time you go to Boston, TD Garden, it just, uh, the way the team plays at home, the music they play there, it's just this, like, raunchy rock music yeah. between every whistle and some weird wrestling stuff, like, woo, they do that thing, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know? And it's just always, it just always seems intense. That's the, my, my, my favorite Boston memory, or not favorite, uh, one of my, the most vivid one is when I, I played there, and there was three fights in the first three seconds of the game, and then my third shift, I got out there and said, God, I got to get involved in this. Got in a fight, got my eye socket blown up, just destroyed. Andrew Ference beat the wheels off me. But I finished the game, and I just had a sick coast-to-coast backdoor layup pass to Louis Erickson. Just a beautiful with pass I made with one eye. I couldn't see out of my left eye, but I finished. I, actually, I didn't finish the game. Third period, I couldn't see anymore, so I left. But man, I had a beautiful coast-to-coast <laughs> rush through one backdoor to Louis Erickson. Um, yeah, I was a player back then.
0: And it's, you know, the Boston fans have no ill will towards the Blackhawks oh, no. and Blackhawks fans. There's, history all. There. You, know, there's yeah. you know, very polite fan bases that
3: get along very well. There's a mystery there. I mean, obviously the Blackhawks did well there, and uh, just bring you know Bolin back or something to get him uh, yeah. get him going. But
1: Sharpie, <laughs> well, uh, t- you were telling me a little bit, and we were doing some work during the finals last year when you were doing NBC, and even the fans walking around there are still like you're Bla- I hate the Blackhawks. Yeah, they and You were, said one guy was yelling at you on TV.
2: NBC had the set outside uh, I don't know what the name of the street was but it was right outside the stadium street was packed and they certainly have an attitude in Boston about their sports Um, Boston won the game and you could still hear the anger in their voices (laughs) screaming at me up there on the stage well 17
1: seconds had something to do with that yeah yeah and all I
2: had to do was kind of like my my plan was whenever somebody would scream at me, you know, from the crowd, I'd turn around and try to look, and I'd make eye contact with the person and kind of give them a heads up, and then I would just win them right over, you know, they would <laughs> yeah. change their tone right away. Ah, oh, I love you, Sharpie, yeah. you're the man. It's Even one of those probably hate us to death.
0: I feel like it's social media as well. When you can just say something and there's no re- repercussions for it, you're great. But then as soon as someone looks at you, you're like, oh, I'm am not doing that again. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I was in good company though. KT Catherine Tappin worked with Nesson. For the Boston Bruins and for a long time, so they loved her. Anson Carter was with me as well, and he was a former Bruin, so I guess I was the easy target taking a few punches for those two, but it worked out pretty yeah, good. That's okay. Fun. You've got a ring that you like for it. And, I said and, that a <laughs> few times. They didn't like that response at all.
0: Well, not to talk about an opposing team too much, but to look at the Devils. They fire their head coach on Tuesday, uh, an interim head coach, and they're a team that Had a lot of hype coming into the season around some of their offseason moves and uh, haven't really performed out of the gate as they hope. You guys have both been a part of a team that goes through a coaching change in the middle of the season. What can that do for a locker room that is going through some struggles? And, you know, the Blackhawks can't overlook that game based on a record uh, because that's going to be a team that is looking to prove a
2: point. Yeah. I don't think you can look at the NHL schedule now and and write down games you think you're going to win or lose. It's too wide open. There's too much parity. Scheduling and travel and all that injuries plays a role in, in how the game's going to gonna shake out. But generally speaking, when a team fires their coach, you're going to get a pretty immediate response right away. And I know the, this can be their second game maybe or mm-hmm. third with a new coach. So they're still going to have some juice in the legs, I would assume. Uh, new coaches comes, new changes to ice time and line combinations. So those players will be hungry. And they'll be thinking the same thing. they got a wounded animal in the Blackhawks coming in that hasn't been playing good hockey as of late, so they're going to want a pencil in a victory as well. Let's just drop the puck and see what happens. I want to see the Hawks play fun, aggressive, loose hockey. Who cares if you win or lose the game? Go out there and let your skills show through, and I bet you if that can happen, you'll start seeing some results down the road.
1: Yeah, just let it rip. But uh, to your question about what does it do when you fire a coach and bring one in, it gets your attention because now – Hey, any in, any industry, you know, I'm going to work one day and all of a sudden you got a new boss, all of a sudden you sit up a little straighter, you you know, you got to perform a little better. You want to show off, you want to impress the new guy coming in. And I think that's what, you know, the Hawks will get with the Devils is just a team that's, you know, like Sharpie said, this coach can, is going to start determining, ice time is going to be totally different with this guy. He looks at you a different way than your old coach looked at you and sees your skill set maybe being here in this many minutes for you is better. But you're kind of—it's like the start of a new season. I got to impress this guy. I want to practice harder. I want to show him I'm in great shape. I want to show him I can play more minutes, or I should be on the power play. So, it gets your attention, and that's—that's the—that's the biggest difference when you get a new coach. And that's why sometimes when you when, when that happens, for for a short stretch of time at least, you, you do see some short-term results. I
3: don't want to backtrack at all, but I, to me the the Bruins game this is a chance for the Blackhawks to turn this thing around, right? Yeah. Go get yourself a point, yeah. or play really well and lose three to two if you have to, but. Yep. Same thing when they weren't playing well, then they, oh, here comes Dallas. You know, what are we going to do against Dallas? They They played played great in Dallas, and they they beat them here. They look great, and things suddenly turned. This is an opportunity for the Blackhawks to turn this thing around because right now it's not going well. You're playing this team. Yeah, sure, the odds are against you. They're unbeatable at home. Go play really hard. Get a point. Get two points, and then you can kind of start rolling from there.
1: Yeah, it's a good point. I think, and if you look... You guys talked about it, but you go back to the Edmonton game that was on right. fire. There's no pressure, right? It's just go out there and play, and then hopefully you can just get that feeling like, all right, that's how we should be doing it. They talked about it after the Edmonton game. That's our formula. That's how we need to play. Going to Dallas, they won ten or whatever in a row, and and Hawks spank them. Yeah. And you know that I think that's a good point. Maybe in Boston now, there's no pressure. You're not you're not expected to win. I'm sure the line will be in uh, the, the betting line will be in gross favor of Boston. Go out there and let it rip
0: boston on thursday new jersey on friday a two-game trip before the blackhawks return home return home on sunday they face the arizona coyotes Uh, it's foundation night a whole lot of great stuff going on around the united center to benefit the chicago blackhawks foundation there's plenty of ways to get involved there visit blackhawks.com slash donate for more info on all sunday's festivities and uh, are
1: you working the game this any week this week working the fans um, come and see you maybe uh, I'm going to be on won.
2: TV. On, there are two road games, so I'll be in studio Thursday, yeah. Friday. And I think I'll be around the United Center on Sunday. I don't think I'm doing the broadcast. You are, right? Yeah, I think they wanted so, it, The
1: A-team on Friday. Uh, on
2: Friday, at, right? Yeah, no, Sunday. No, sorry. no, yeah, you said it right. You <laughs> said it right. <laughs> Sunday. Oh, we'll get. They'll slide the, uh, the the fourth line in there on Sunday, but uh, we'll all be around having fun. Foundation nights a cool event. Yeah, it's There's great. There's all kinds of things going on, so it should
0: be fun at the UC. And you guys have gotten to see some of the great stuff that the foundation does throughout the community and just giving back. And you know, what does it mean to be able to kind of get out there and, and make an impact? In the city of chicago or in, in any city that you guys have played in
2: well i still live in the city of chicago moved here in 2005 to play hockey and my wife doesn't want to leave neither do i so it's become home and a part of that reason why it feels so welcoming is because we get out and we do a lot of stuff in the community and and the, the love affair between the fans of chicago and the blackhawks is still strong at least i feel it whenever i'm out working in the city so Tip of the cap to the Blackhawks for all they do for the city of Chicago. I know this atrium is fun. There's all kinds of events going on here, especially during Foundation Night. So it'll be a, a fun place to be for for 12 hours. Yeah, they're
1: so. they're 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 for a good cause, but they're fun too. A, a good cause doesn't need to be somber and and quiet and sad. All, all these Foundation things, they're they're exciting. They're fun. They're things you want to be a part of, and um, they're visual. And there's neat things always going on. So they do. Uh, staff here does a really good job with those and 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 make some make some entertaining for people also once
0: again, that's blackhawks.com slash donate for all the details around Foundation Night on Sunday. Uh, Sharpie, thanks for joining us once again, providing your insight. Uh,
2: sounds like Taking kinda, some of Burr's uh, airtime. Yeah, sounds like I kind of invited myself to this podcast, but uh, that's okay too. You're, you're welcome to do that anytime. <laughs> the door is open. Yeah, you know? I'm hanging out by a thread so you can focus your hair too. We just have a rotating cast. We'll, we'll get you on a I'd couple like more times. I'd like to just times. announce to the fans that I'm going to just start my own podcast right <laughs> now and everybody can come listen. Forget you guys. Ice, right, that's okay. We'll compete
0: against <laughs> yeah. you. We'll, we have no competition. Though. You'll yeah. probably overtake yeah. us pretty well. But thank you again for coming. Uh, for Adam Burish, Chris Cook, I'm Carter Baum. That will do it for this week's episode. And once again, a special thank you to Patrick Sharp. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago Drive what Kane and Taves Drive.
1: And Burish.